sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke? It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your girl, Adar, and you're listening to The Digital Sisterhood podcast now i know it's been a while it's been a while and i know that so many of you have been in withdrawal so have we okay but sometimes things don't go as planned but what's important is that we pivot and all that matters right now is that we're here right that's all that matters so let, let me tell you what this episode is really about so i'm really excited about this guest because um originally I learned about Halima on TikTok, right? Um, and at the time, she used to tell stories about her experiences of a variety of topics. But it wasn't until so many of y'all added us under her comments on TikTok saying, you need to come on the Digital Sisterhood podcast and share your story. Like when I tell you, I had so many notifications, just TikTok randomly. And I just had people adding me under her comments saying, yo, other, yo, other, you need to get this girl on. And you guys already know, I, I'm, I'm under a chokehold by y'all. Whatever you guys say, I do. It's literally our relationship is Samantha Waddle We hear, I hear no pain. Um, and whatever you guys say, I literally put on, but I, I already had known a little bit about her and I always found her such an incredible storyteller. So without further ado, this is Halima. Okay. So Halima, who are you? Who's Halima? Oh my gosh! What Tell a me a little bit about your childhood. Yeah. Question already. 
<laughs> it is a very it is a, it is a very deep question. It's a very hard question as well. It is. Oh. It is. But I, I'm I'm ready to answer. My name is Halima, as mentioned. Um, also known as Jedi Limbs, you know, in, in some circles, some places around the world. Um, I am a graduate student. I'm getting my PhD. I'm from Rochester, New York, originally from St. Louis, Missouri. You know, 315, turn 585. Um, <laughs> shout out to the area. Shout out, shout out to the area, 314. Um, yeah. yeah. So, Halima, tell me about your your up, like your home, your home dynamic, your upbringing growing up. Did you always grow up in Rochester, New York? No, I'm from St. Louis. I'm from, um, which is like really down in Missouri. It's kind of like in the southern central part of, of the states. Um, and yeah, we grew, my, I grew up there. My family immigrated, uh, you know, as refugees from Somalia. I was born um, in St. Louis, only one out of like all seven of my all seven of my siblings who was born in the States came over with they came over with my mom. Dad joined a little bit later when he was able to get his papers sorted through. I uh, was the youngest of eight, so definitely was babied a lot. Definitely a little bit of like a almost like imposter syndrome within my own house. Like I just want to be like all my older siblings who are so cool out there living their lives. Um, but it it was it was it was wholesome vibes. Alhamdulillah. Uh, we grew up in a really close knit. Um, Islamically bound household. Everybody was really centered. Everything was really centered around the deen, around learning, around education. It was always, you know, we got to get out of the hood. We got to focus on our deen. Um, and that was really the dynamic that kind of shaped my childhood for sure. One of the cool things I found out about Halima is that Halima is no regular degular girl. Okay. Halima studying to be a neuroscientist. She is actually studying for her doctorate degree. In undergrad at a university, I studied biotechnology and molecular biosciences. Um, and so I was a molecular biologist by training, like through undergrad. Uh, and then post undergrad, I worked as a technician um, at a medical center, which was really molecular based. And so I learned a lot about molecular processes and a lot about um, physiology, how the cell works, how how proteins are, are, you know, functioning and how muscles are able to, you know, work in tandem with different parts of the body. It was all it was all extremely like molecular level work. Um, and I think something that was really profound, I think, because of because of my Islamic understanding, because I chose to see everything through this Islamic framework and mindset was when I would read something, I'd read about a process that happens, you know, in, in the cell, this really conserved process that happens automatically, right? The way that the DNA repairs itself automatically, you know, this protein knows when to go attached to this binding site and it knows when to, you know, transcribe and it knows exactly when to do certain things. And I, I was reading one passage one day and I like distinctly remember my mind feeling like it was blowing. I was like, there's no way you're telling me, you know, DNA is repairing itself millions of times, like all the time, every single day by itself. How is that happening? Like there's what's what's driving this system? What's going on? And I and I remember sitting in the car with my sister because she had picked me up from class that day. My sister, Ayan, my oldest sister. And she was like, oh, how was your day today? And I was like, Ayan, can I just tell you something really cool? <laughs> she was like, what? Tell me. I was like, OK, I'm going to nerd out on you really fast. But I was reading this process that happens about DNA repair. 
And I was like, I froze in the middle of class because all I could think about was there's no way this is happening unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was making it happen. Like there's no way the cell would be able to like do the like I'm learning all these things in a textbook, right? And I'm reading and I'm writing and I'm and I'm I'm grasping these concepts of like these actual like analytical things that are happening. But to me it like it has almost no meaning unless I attribute it to like how it happened and the creator being able to enforce these, you know, mechanisms to actually happen. Um, so it, it, to me, it, it just clicked and it never stopped clicking. Um, I chose to go into a grad school. I'm getting my doctorate now. Uh, alhamdulillah, I'm a, a second year PhD student in pharmacology and physiology. So I was a molecular biologist by training, but I'm, you know, sort of transitioning into becoming a neuroscientist that's the hat that I wear nowadays uh in my research um but yeah it, it doesn't change no matter what discipline you're in no matter what what you're studying the specific project the specific cell the specific protein um I've I've once I put those glasses on of like seeing all of it through this lens of of being created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I've, I've never taken those glasses off wow I'm just mind blown. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm just mind blown myself. Like, I don't, I don't know that. And then they say that a god doesn't exist. That's yeah, the craziest just, part to me. Like, it doesn't. I don't. I, how can you believe that it, he doesn't exist? And then know that fact that DNAs are repairing itself at every second. Of, like, how? How? And nobody knows what it is that's making it do that. Yeah. Nobody it's, can tell you. I don't know. It just does it. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. It's like for real, for real mind-blowing. And I think just immersing myself in science in and of itself, I think has really like, because I had the upbringing, it, it has only like, it's like a circular loop, right? Because I had this Islamic upbringing, um, I'm, I'm more interested to understand like ways that this is like manifested through life and understanding science better. Okay. But then when I start understanding science better, it helps me to appreciate Islam more. And so it just yeah. like, it goes in this circle. And I, to me, like I cannot fathom having one without the other. I can't fathom like processing one without the other in my brain. Like they're one in the same. They truly like feed into each other continuously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause some of it is, it's truly unexplainable either. Yeah. Like it, it, even in science or something, they're just, you just can't, it just is. There's so and many it, times, I, like I, at a seminar, even you'll ask a scientist a question. He's like, "I truly don't know why that process happens. Like, I truly <laughs> don't know." And yes, some of it is like limited by just what we know now. But there are some questions. Ultimately, I don't think we'll ever be able to answer why certain Subhanallah. things happen. Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar. It, it, it just it just reminds me of when Allah says, and He says, "Let it be, like let it be, and let it be, and it, it is like it happened for Him. It's just it is because He He lets it be." And it's like there's some things you just cannot mm-hmm. explain. You can't. You know what I'm saying? You cannot. And I just, I, I think it's so wonderful that you use it. Like for you, it's like only affirms your faith. Yes, yes. Like the science that you like only affirms what you already know. Mm-hmm. SubhanAllah. It's incredible. And, and a beautiful way to look at science. Because yeah. some people think they, 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 they contest each other. Like they're one or the other. It's the, it only affirms the truth. Yes, yeah. The things that we go after in life, the career, the aspirations, are oftentimes directly linked to our life, our experiences. In Halima's case, her desire to study neuroscience didn't just come from thin air. Rather, her personal experiences led her there. When Halima was 15 years old, 
she found out that her father was diagnosed with dementia. So I didn't actually, I didn't find the diagnosis out the same way everyone else did. Uh, Everyone kind of assumed this kind of like protect Halima role because she's the baby, you know, kind of me and my brother, Hassan, who's who's really close in age to I am, but he's a little bit older. Um, So I didn't find out the same way everyone else did. I kind of had to put the pieces together on my own. Like if y'all have experienced this with your parents, but you know how sometimes you'll ask them something um, and they'll say, They'll either you'll ask them for permission for something and they'll say yes or no. And then later you'll bring it up and they'll be like, well, when did I say yes? I never said yes to that. You know, like they'll kind of play with your head a little bit. Um, but I realized he and he had that personality. So I think it was a little bit hard because sometimes he has this joking nature where he'll like kid a lot. So it was a little bit hard to realize when he was being serious and he really didn't remember or when he was doing the kidding thing. Um, and I just realized that, like, for instance, we'd we'd be talking about, you know, something that happened earlier in the day and he has absolutely no recollection or, you know, and it's not even always like a a question and response type of situation. Like he'll just say, oh yeah, earlier I went and, you know, I saw my friend and we went to Tim Hortons and we're like, but that didn't happen today. You know, that happened like two days ago. You didn't see your friend for a couple of days now. Or um, he'll just come back from someplace and we'll say, where were you? And he'll be like, uh, you know, and he'll kind of like dance around it, but he, he like literally couldn't remember where he had just come back from. And it was small things that like, you know, isolated, you might say, oh, he's just having, you know, one of those days, it kind of slipped his mind, but it was just recurring, recurring, recurring for weeks and months. And it just was not making any sense that he couldn't remember. I'd come into his room and I'd be like, Baba, do you need anything? You know, did have, did, uh, did you have lunch already? And he's like, uh, I don't know if I had, lunch today actually Halima and I'm like well um let me go ask Hoyo you know let me let me let me see if let me see if she remembers if you had lunch or not today but that was that's strange right that somebody wouldn't know if they had lunch that day and so I was just I was honestly questioning it I was I was wondering because everyone seemed to be adjusting so fine and every or maybe they you know they weren't adjusting fine but they seemed to be reacting to his moments where he was lapsed in memory, they weren't responding the way that I would expect people to respond. Like, I would expect everyone to be like, well, what do you mean, Baba? Like, you, of course, you just had food. You know, we all just ate together. What do you mean you don't remember? But everyone was just kind of going along with it. Um, so I, I almost felt like, okay, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it's it's not a big deal. Maybe, you know, he's just, you know, he is just getting older and, and that's the end of the story. Um, but... But I felt I felt it and, and I knew something wasn't wrong. So I eventually asked my older sisters, you know, Alhamdulillah. Have, so since there's eight of us, <laughs> the separation in age is, is pretty wild. Uh, my oldest sister, I have three oldest sisters who low key have been second moms like my whole life. We're fully teenagers, but like while I was still in diapers. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I uh, eventually just talked to them and I was like, what's what's going on with Abel? Um, and they let me know what was up. So the thing about dementia is is that it doesn't happen overnight. It's like a gradual, slow thing. One day they're forgetting about their keys. The next day, what they ate for breakfast. And then one day, it's something completely drastic, like they forget who you are. Halima recalls a few moments that made it clear that her father was different. Um, there was one day, 
Um, I don't remember how old I was. I was still a teenager for sure. Um, and he comes down the stairs and he had just woke up from a nap and he's like, oh, where's my abayo? Where's my sister? Where's she at? Um, I need to talk to her. And he's like visibly like walking around the living room kind of looking and he's looking for his sister and his sister, keep in mind, is all the way back in Somalia. Like he hasn't seen his sister in a really long time. Um, and I start realizing he doesn't realize where he is in this moment and he fully thinks he's back in Somalia he thinks it's like 20 30 years ago he thinks his sister's in the house he thinks he thinks he's in a completely time and different place and everything he was saying was not making sense he was like yeah um can we go get the like can we go grab this thing and we can we put it here and he just it wasn't making any sense and his main concern was finding his sister um who he hadn't seen in years and it was terrifying because I'm standing in this living room right watching my abo kind of like freak out and I'm like abo is everything okay what's going on and he's kind of completely disregarding like my existence like he 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 noticed me it wasn't like he couldn't see me or hear me but his his mind would completely took him to a totally different place that was that was extremely terrifying um, and really heartbreaking to realize that his reality, his whole mind was was deceiving him in this way and that he had no real perception of the moment. Um, <clears throat> I think some of the things that people might struggle with is like seeing your parents at a state where you have to now care for them. I think it can be a really difficult switch, you know, because you always saw them as, you know, they're caring you. And now looking at them like, oh, like I have to like like you start to see them like how you they saw you when you were a kid so many people talk about you know what was the moment you realized your parents were human you know because you kind of forget that your parents are even like humans like you just that you operate with them as if they're these perfect you know beings who won't make mistakes but I became painfully aware you know of the humanness of my dad the second you know I realized he was getting sick I was like oh my gosh you know my dad is human and my dad is He's getting weak and he's getting tired and he's getting sick and he's he's deteriorating and it's it's so sad to put it that way but I broke down so many times I can't even count um and I always had to like hide cuz I'm not going to be you know the baby in the living room crying cuz I was sick so I'd go and hide in the car I'd go and that's still something I do sometimes I'll just be thinking you know and I'm thinking in class or I'm thinking elsewhere and my mind kind of goes to thinking about my dad and thinking about his condition and you know your mind jumps to the worst case scenarios you're like what if Baba doesn't get to see you know my wedding what if Baba doesn't get to see my kids what if you know your your mind goes to all these really dark places and you think about you know how much pain he must be in and that's something I I've been reading a lot about like it's not just that their mind is deceiving them like they're physically in a lot of pain and they're exhausted all the time and it takes like this huge toll on them and so just thinking about what it's doing to him it it my mental health was has been all over the place for years ever since I found out I don't think I'll ever ever truly truly be the same in all honesty there's this thing that people say about um you know about people who who are Muslim who might have dementia and there's this miracle fact that like although they might you know, forget a lot of things. They never forget the Quran. 
Yes. Um, did you see yes. that? Did you see that miracle or yes. what? Yes. So is that real listen, life? Let me tell you, my Abel will not be able to tell you what day of the week it is, but he will tell you what the third line on the 250th page of the Quran is. Okay. Allah, he Allah will Akbar. not forget. Allah, I cannot tell you. It has not ceased to amaze me. Like he will sit. He's a hafid, alhamdulillah, mashallah. And he, he, he hasn't lost it. He still has everything memorized he reads quran all the time he always stands for prayer he'll he'll be too weak to make it to the kitchen for a cup of water and he'll say halima can you please go get me a glass of water and i'm like of course abel but then five minutes later he's like okay but now i'm gonna summon whatever i do have and i'm gonna stand for prayer and i'm Mm. like wow that is that's something like his devotion to the deed and to islam has been uh, unreal unreal yeah because the the fascinating part of it is that like people with dementia might even forget you Someone who's been there whole lives, right? Yes. But they won't forget. They won't even stutter an ayah. Nope. nope. <laughs> they won't even stutter an ayah. They might forget words. You mm-hmm. know, they might even like they forget so much. But subhanallah, the miracle of the fact that they they will not forget an ayah or inc- it won't even say it incorrectly blows my mind. They'll forget their wives. They're their everything else, but they won't forget Allah. It's unexplainable. It really, it really is. is. It really it's, is. There was there was one day um, I was, I don't remember. I think I was in like the dining room um, and my dad comes in and he's like, he starts calling me a woo And, mm. you know, kind of like in Somali culture, like you, your dad calls you abo or your mom calls you hoyo because that's, we have like this reciprocal relationship mm-hmm, in the way that mm-hmm. we call each other. But he started calling me a woo um, Meaning that he thought I was, yeah, he thought I was his granddaughter basically. Um, and that was, I was, I was heartbroken, um, but I couldn't show it. And like tears immediately came to my eyes, but I couldn't show it. Mm-hmm. And I had to be like, hi, like, hi, hi, grandpa. Like, and I just went along with it and I, and I didn't want to correct him and I didn't want to tell him he got it wrong. And I didn't want to make him feel like, you know, make him feel like he was mm-hmm. losing his mind. So mm-hmm. I, I. I went along with it. But then, you know, exactly like we're saying, he he can still sit at the table and he can still read, you know, from memorization off the dome. Like, unbelievable. It's it's wild. You know what I find? Is it comforting? Is it comforting to know that although he might forget you or anybody else, is that he has never forgotten Allah and there's a probably high chance that Allah has never forgotten him either? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Like, does it give you like a sense of peace? Like, okay. Like, yes, you know, despite this dunya, but I like, you know, he has a a really good relationship with Allah. I think I think it's comforting for two reasons. One, because I know, a he's no matter what, he's still working for his akhira. You know, he's accepted that this dunya is is almost betraying him in a way. Like you know, he's being tested in this way that's that seems you know ex- unbearable at times. But he's still his mindset is on the akhira, and I love that for him. And I love that he's collecting these deeds for himself continuously. And the second reason it's comforting is because he has this sense of comfort. Like he's probably like I can't even imagine my dad's mental health. You know, sometimes I've walked into the room and he's like crying to himself in his room, and, and he and he tries to like you know wipe his tears, pretend like that didn't happen, and that you didn't just walk in on him having like a tough moment. But I can't imagine what he's feeling on a constant basis, and to think. At least he has the Quran, you know, at least he has the deen to be some sort of like solace for him, something, something that he can turn to, to help comfort him. And I love that it can be that comforting sense of peace to him. Um, so I, I, I'm grateful he has it in his life. Yeah, I think, you know what it reminds me of? Like, we might have family members 
that are going through a tough time, who are healthy, okay, who might be going through a tough time in life. And no matter how much comfort you might try to give them, it's not really enough. Because we know that true comfort comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when that person doesn't know Allah and, and doesn't seek comfort from Allah, you just know that this aching pain they feel will always persist until they look up. Um, and it sometimes it can be really, really difficult, you know, because it's like, I can't comfort you. I can be there for you. But really, like, peace comes from Allah SWT in his remembrance. But if you're not remembering him, I can't. I don't know when you're going to feel relief. And so, like, just hearing the fact that your dad, although might have private moments where he's, you know, like, really going through a tough time, he'll always have a lot to turn to. And that you don't have to worry about that because you know Allah takes care of his servants. You know? And it gives, like, me personally, it, that, like, somebody having a relationship with Allah gives me comfort. Because yeah. I know, like, they're always going to be taken care of. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you, yeah. to be honest, even when you've forgotten Allah, you're still being taken care of. Yeah, no, you know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, like, you can you can feel real relief when you remember him. Because Allah says numerous times, like, only do the believers find true rest in his remembrance, right? When they remember him. And so that, like, just the idea of him, like, being able to invoke in Allah, and he knows Allah, no matter how much his, his mind might fail him his heart is always in ease yeah yeah subhanallah subhanallah sometimes when a family member or a person you love deeply is sick your life is completely changed forever who you were before their sickness and who you are after are completely two different people and everything that you planned and dreamed of um, that included them is completely altered. And it almost as feels as though you are sick with them. They're down and you're down too. And although sometimes like when you see the person that you love so in pain and in that case, you, sometimes you can just think it's them, but there's this invisible layer that happens to the people around them. And it is so tied to it and it's it's something that people don't like recognize that like the family are also going through it the people around the person sick is going through it and it's really hard it's really really hard because how are you supposed to look at the future without them how are you supposed to uh how are you supposed to understand what's possible um what's possible with their absence and I asked Halima what she worried about. Like, what was her biggest fear? Um, I don't know. I think, I think because I think my main my main worry is that he won't get to see me become a doctor. Um, Abel has always been my number one education advocate. Like. When Hoya was like, okay, Halima, so when are we getting married? Abu was like, okay, Halima, so like, what's the next degree you're getting? Um, Baba always wanted me to be, you know, top, top of my class, you know, always going for the next thing and, and being extremely successful. That was, that's what he saw for me. And that's what he's always advocated for me. And that's what, 
that's what I took from him. I took from him, okay, I have it in me to be successful. I can do this and I can go to the next level and I can do all these things. And I think the thought of him not being there when I when I walk the stage and I finally become Dr. Halima OS, you know, it's it's a little it's a little hard to think about. I'm 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 scared he won't I'm scared he won't be there that day. Oh, we already started crying. I know. <laughs> not, not you asking the emotional questions, sis. Oh Oof. my god. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you know You know um Halima it's really interesting. I have a friend. I have two friends who have um um family members who have dementia um for a couple of years now and they're their main primary uh care. Um and uh you know it's different for both of them right um and their 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 parents are like women right so it's like different mm-hmm. for them too and they struggle a lot you know with also their lives you know cuz they cuz they put their a big pause on their life to take care of, of that me- that family member um but they do it because they love them and they also are mourning you know mm-hmm. like i i, I something i recognize they're always they're still mourning who they who they were before, you know, and um, I I understand, and I know a lot of people aren't going to understand what you like what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. But I ask, I pray that Allah Subhanahu allows your dad to show up and I show mean, out yes, the mean. day you cross that stage. Yeah, um, and I hope it's a beautiful moment for you. Yeah, I hope so. Inshallah, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Okay, so the next question I want to ask is about mental health. I know you're big yes. on mental health <laughs> advocate because you talk about a lot on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> and that's where we found you, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. So, like, tell me about your, 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 like, the backstory about why you're such an advocate with mental health. Why mental health? Like, why is that important to you? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's... If it's solely because I kind of, and I kind of mentioned I have, you know, sometimes felt this little bit of imposter syndrome in my own house, which was really interesting to deal with, um, feeling like, you know, you just, you, you didn't quite fit in all the way. My, my siblings were a little brutal at times, a little bit of bullies would, you know, make fun of me because I was the baby, um, you know, and then you went to school and you looked different and you weren't, you know, you weren't, you weren't one of everybody. Um, I don't know. I think, I think definitely like growing up, I just kind of always felt like a little bit of a misfit, um, you know, and then I, as I was growing up and I, and I saw my dad, you know, his health deteriorating, that affected my mental health huge. Like I was, I was increasingly becoming aware of his mortality and the fact that he was, he was approaching what was, you know, this ominous sounding end, um, end of life period or whatever. Um, and so there were a lot of different things that, you know, and then you have your own personal struggles, like relationships and, and things that just school, like stress and like thinking about grades and, and all these things just started to like pile up. And I noticed I was, I was, it was taking a toll on me. Um, so I've struggled with mental health. I, I, what I, what feels like the entirety of my life. Um, and I remember being, going through like really long depressive episodes, like during high school and like nobody had a clue and nobody was you know, in tune with what was going on, but I knew it and I felt it and I felt just sad all the time. And I felt, and I started to get anxious and I started to, you know, just go through all of these different mental feelings and, and it, it didn't, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. Um, and I knew that something had to change, but, um, 
uh, yeah, unfortunately, has never changed to the extent where I could say, yes, I'm free of all all mental qualms and uh, I'm free of everything. Uh, but yeah, definitely struggled with it, I think, for a very, very, very long time. How did you manage it? How did you how, what did you do to deal with that? Yeah, that's such a tough question. Um, I don't know. I think I tried everything. I tried meditating. I tried journaling. I tried um therapy when I got older I think uh, once I hit college and you know the end end of my undergrad moving on to like adulthood of life I think that's when I started trying therapy um but before that it was just trying to figure out okay what's what's something small that's going to make me feel better okay is it going to see my friends okay let's go see my friends or um is it you know allowing myself to indulge in in extra sweets I I, I didn't know how to deal with it when I was younger I, I it just I felt crummy and sad all the time so it's really interesting because well I feel like a lot of times um some people are are also lost in this issue and it's almost it's almost like this really is really sad to see that Islam and you know mental health uh helpful techniques are almost kept in two separate circles mm-hmm. you know it's like okay you either use the Quran or you go see a therapist but no one ever tells you like bro you can do both like mm. you can have this like melded healing experience that incorporates your deen but also like addresses some of the root causes of what's going on and why you're feeling the way you're feeling um and so I I had to realize this and I realized that that's what worked for me was blending these two things together mm-hmm. um and there was there was times when I was you know in the middle of having panic attacks there was one time I was in I was in the car with my sister and I'm and I'm having like this insane panic attack in front of her and it was weird because I had never had a panic attack in front of anyone before uh but it had come out and I was hyperventilating sitting next to her and she she calms me down and she asks me to repeat after her and she tells me Halima repeat after me and I'm like okay okay tell, what do I do tell me <laughs> tell me because I'm trying to stop myself from breathing so hard and she goes okay say Allah is the greatest of planners he will bring to me the greatest of plans and I was like okay Allah is the greatest of planners he will bring to me the greatest of plans and she was like okay now keep saying it to yourself but start to really believe it and I'm like okay so I'm repeating it over and over and over and I'm and it started to calm me down in a way I had never been calmed down before Mm. I had been like reading all these like self-help books online I had like you Mm. know started doing all these like tricks that I saw on YouTube these (laughs) breathing techniques and they were helping you know I'm not gonna say they were helping but it wasn't until I found this like almost like meditation technique but using it as like using Islam as the centering piece of that it wasn't until I did that that I started to feel like actual changes uh in my life wow what an epic moment I know. What epic, an epic, epic moment. Like she Bruh, she changed she, my life. No, she that was like a that was a, a main character moment. Like you know listen, like, a film no, listen. like that's actually like a listen. scene. Like, <laughs> it was like it was like if the camera was following me at that point, the camera was like, Hold up, we following oh. the wrong person. It turned to Ginger. It was like, Okay, Khadija, repeat that again. <laughs> Say it directly into the camera. Oh my god. She was like that's incredible because she was instilling like you know recognizing that we don't have the power because that's like that's essentially what anxiety does it tells us is that we feel like we're supposed to we're in control all the time and it's not the truth it's not the truth Mm -hmm. that we're not actually Mm -hmm. uh in control of our lives and that she used that 
to help you and that's crazy mm-hmm. wow I, I it's interesting it reminds me of like obviously a technique of, of saying affirmations you know to yourself yes, um, yes. Go, and, and those are so powerful and so important but there's also a part about it that's like her getting you to say it out loud mm-hmm. so that like your body hears that affirmation and that conviction you yeah. know what I mean yeah. Um, that makes it all the difference. It makes to all the difference. Day, I don't think she knows the effect that it had on me. Like, I've mm. repeated it to her before, and I've been like, oh, do you remember that, you know, when you showed me that technique, we were in the car? She's like, uh, yeah, I remember. I'm like, yeah, you know, I do it all the time. But I don't think she really <laughs> understands. Like, it really changed the way I've, like, it put me on this path of, like, being determined to figure out, okay, what, how else can I, like, blend these two ideas of... Mm learning more about islam but like healing my mental health at the same time you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. i think there's a huge misconception yes. which is that the only form of healing is obviously just what the quran like you just reading the quran mm-hmm. and the reality is that allah provides all kinds of healing the quran yes. being one of the best if not the best right mm-hmm. um but taking medications also from allah Mm-hmm. <laughs> taking um seeing a therapist is a yep. means of healing that's also from Allah you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying but people don't recognize all of these things like mm-hmm. they they think okay well the quran is the only form of healing everything else is man made and it has nothing to do that's not true that's yeah. not true all like services that help you is is from Allah you know he allows us to know um, the the medications that help us. Like, how did we find this out? Like, you right. think we just out here just pouring just into things? It. Yeah, like we just <laughs> we just figured out how I pro- ibuprofen works. Like, that's not how this works. That's not mm-hmm. how it works. Um, and that Allah is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And that um, I, and I wish people saw that that way. That they mm-hmm. could. Do Quran and, and and read like Quran on themselves or read Quran and then go to like a doctor and yeah. see it both the same way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you know, it's like I think we're starting to come out of that. You know, I think people are starting to become more educated. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and and I and I think also too because like our parents, they lived in Africa. You know, m- medical attention wasn't like as easy as it is. So I understand why they their like perspective is reliant on that because they were reliant on that you know because they didn't have access as, as much as access as we do now um so i get it but you know girl it's all it's all god it's no, all right it's all god it's okay? all god it's all god, it's all god. <laughs> you know what i'm saying um and i hope people know that like i hope yeah. people understand it that way um because there are so many incredible professionals like therapists are a muslim Mm-hmm. And they're so good at what they do. Yeah, you know, yes. especially when they understand your belief system. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's like a game changer. And so I always say, like, you know, like look for the person for you. Just as we go and look for the best doctor for ourselves, go look for the best, you know, best kind of care. Yeah, um, that you can find. You know, and uh, and still read your Quran. And still have those um, those Islamic. Uh, tradition remedies like honey and black seed oil and all yeah. these incredible things that we know that are are so amazing. Like I hear like you know what I think about this? I think about um the stories of people who would go to Somalia when mm-hmm. they were like really ill and they would drink camel's pee. Oh my god. And they would Yeah, and they would do that for nine months. I heard the story where um uh, like an Adair did that. He went he had like he found out he was terminal he had terminal cancer. He went to Somalia he drank camel's pee for nine months, came back, and then the doctor found none of it in his body. Stop. Yeah. And Stop. I, and, I, and I was like, what? Ain't no way. You know, so, you know it's, <laughs> let, me tell you, so let me tell you about Somali people, okay? 
You cannot <laughs> tell them some nothing. Some people will always find a way. Okay, yeah, they you will can't. always I find a way. I promise you, the response they're going to get if you tell Stop. them you're going to die, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. They're going to look at you. Are you crazy? Who do you not think you are? Not when I have like 453 medicine. Like, and I have different remedies. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. <laughs> and we've been knowing, alhamdulillah, Allah has, has provided a cure. I'm going to find that cure. Yeah. You know? And it's, <laughs> I mean, that's and it's so... <laughs> It really is. And it happens like so often. People do it all the time. Yeah. And I um, think especially like being in like a science field, there's always, you know, there's always this this conversation that happens where it's like, you know, does, does science and Islam, are they contradictory? Are they mm. not able to like be held in the same in the same sentence? And it's like they absolutely can, actually, mm-hmm. because the second I am able to acknowledge that like the scientific findings are because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, boom. Mm, like it's, it's not it's not a it's not a question for me. It's not difficult for me to mm. try to reconcile these two different parts of my identity of like being a scientist and and you know adhering to Islam. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it it's one and the same to me. Yeah. I mean it see it's it's about how you look at science though. Some people yeah. think it's an um it's a like that faith can't you can't be you can't have belief. Yeah, and then and and then and see science. I don't know if it makes sense to me because I'm like in the Quran, it actually talks about how a child is created. Yeah, you know scientifically. So like scientifically, and it just to me, it's like we use science to prove Allah's existence, and we use the mere belief that Allah exists, whether you know it or want to know it or not. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, So for me, it's like no, you can absolutely be intentional about how you see science. It's about choice and perspective. So tell me, there's a there's this incredible TikTok video. It's my favorite where oh my we gosh. talked about grief. Oh, um, and that video went viral. And it let did. me tell you, I didn't know that I had any form of grief until I listened to that. Wow! And that's the interesting part. I didn't even know I was grieving something until I listened to the hadith. And yeah. I think that all of us are grieving something. Mm. And I think that's why it was it, it like that. The views went crazy. Yeah. And I think um, a lot of us are grieving many things. Like, there are so many, like, grief isn't always this, like, huge, you know, devastating, life-shattering experience, which it can be, absolutely is for a lot of people when something traumatic happens. But you can grieve so many small things, like, throughout your day, throughout your life. Like, things accumulate, and it, and it, it takes a huge toll on you. Like, it just adds and adds and adds up. So I have a question, though. Yes. So, what made you like wh- this? You're, you're. By the way, if I haven't met, you're a huge TikTok. I would call you TikTok. Stop. Like you know, superstar. Stop. Stop. So stop, stop, my stop, question stop. is like, you know, to ha- and then for you to confidently share hadith on TikTok. Oh my you know? gosh. And like share your your personal story. So why TikTok? How did TikTok start? Did you think, okay. okay, I'm going to get into it and like go, or did you have like an intention? No, TikTok was the pandemic hobby of the yeah, generation. Right. What do you mean? <laughs> it, it came March, what, March 20th. A sis yep. was in lockdown, but still had to, you know, work mm-hmm. because I was working at the hospital. I, and, I, and I needed some form of entertainment. Like the, the streets were deserted. Like nobody, yeah. it was, it was full on lockdown, ghost town. It was miserable. And, and everybody was shaking All I home. know is everybody is having a grand old time on TikTok. So I I said okay i've heard this app is for kids but i'm just gonna go ahead and i'm gonna download and i'm gonna see what's up yeah. um and so i started as everybody else just like you know doing the little trends being like funny like yeah. not even really think it was gonna go anywhere but you know i i don't know it kind of transitioned i started doing like a little bit more of like muslim comedy um, yeah you know like different like you know just kind of dipping my toes into a little bit and i saw it was getting like responses and i was like wow okay so i have i have like a legitimate you know mini following kind of growing mm-hmm. mini um 
Mini. Mini. It was mini. Okay, it was mini at first. Okay, no, and it then... was. It's no longer mini. Like the the the, the reason why I even found your page was because pe- bare people added me saying, "Other, you need to get started on the podcast <laughs> right now." I said, and you know me, and and all my listeners know I have a, a chokehold. They have a chokehold on me. I'm scared they of them. Do. So they do. whatever they tell me, I do. They tell me to interview this person. I'm interview. <laughs> you think I'm gonna beef them? I'm scared of them. I already got water guns. Your fans are in some my real DMs. ones. Okay, no, no, I'm no, not with your fans. No, 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 no. They're the scariest group of people. They're actually quite lovely when they're nice. <laughs> and if, they're, <laughs> if they're mad and the episode's not dropped, it's a wrap for me. But you know, we're trying out here, and they're actually the sweetest people ever. They always send send us duas, and I love them yes. so so much like they speak I live so on the dice. like they they came to my comments yeah they and did and they were like sis why are you not on digital podcast you need to hit up this girl I bet you need to get right up this sisterhood Guess like you need what? to like what's going on and no. I got bare comments I'm like wow okay 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 <laughs> I'm gonna. And guess what? And I, went out, and I and I messaged you. I said, uh, uh-uh. because you know I don't want to be too delayed with them. I, I was like, let me just let me reach out to Halima and see what she thinks. I'm so glad yeah. you're here. Yes. So, was it intentional when you started sharing like hadiths, like from yeah, you know, the forty hadiths? You start sharing hadiths on TikTok. It started actually pre the 40 hadiths i started during ramadan um and it was like before ramadan came in i was already started started feeling like this sense of you know i don't know if you've ever felt it like when when like something gets like washed over your body like a new feeling like you just mm-hmm. suddenly are feeling something brand new and something different and it just it started descending upon me like before the days leading up to Ramadan I was like I feel like this Ramadan is going to be a really transformative one and I mm-hmm. cannot explain it but I feel like something like I feel like this Ramadan is going to be really really good and it's really really needed and I think obviously it was influenced because of the pandemic like because mm-hmm. you know everybody's like having a hard time and grieving and there's there's so much happening um, but I was like I really need this Ramadan and I really feel like it's going to be the thing that I need um so Ramadan comes and I and I started doing I started, <laughs> I started doing like angry khutbas in the kitchen at like <laughs> one in the morning but they weren't angry right they weren't angry I was just I was speaking in like my low-key like you know sheikh voice like I was channeling my inner <laughs> mufti mank inner like you know big Islamic man like you yep. know the big voice and I was, yeah. I was it was like you know it was know where it came from but I was like I, I feel this and I'm gonna just go for it and so mm-hmm. I did the first one at like 2 a.m in the kitchen um and I was like yes you you, you know that you're doing great you're gonna you're gonna accomplish everything you want to this Ramadan is gonna heal you in ways mm-hmm. you've never been healed before just kind of just talking into the camera and mm-hmm. like so many people were like whoa th- this was you know this made me Motivating. feel good for the first time hold yeah. on can you do this again so it throughout Ramadan I just posted like a bunch of different khutbas of like like kind of inspirational kind of saying you know why you should commit yourself to the deen and why you know you should allow yourself to go on this spiritual journey and that you know any progress is good progress when it comes to the deen you know any step closer you take is a step closer that you took it's, it's not a matter of having to do it all at one time um so that's really where it started. And I and I found so much peace in myself, like being able to do that and share that with a whole community who was about mm-hmm. that life, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hadiths came. And yep. <laughs> the Girl. hadiths came. And I was like, I, I we were casually a, doing 40 hadith with you on TikTok. No, casually, 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 casually. Listen, <laughs> I was like, I'm. I've just, I already had decided, like, because of Ramadan and what I was going through during Ramadan, and I was, you know, doing, like, a Quran class on the side, and I was trying to, like, read on my own, and I was trying to advance myself, you know, religiously, and 
I had already reset the intention to go through as many hadith as possible and make it as applicable to my life as possible. That was like a mission I made. I was like, okay, I want to read hadith because everyone says, you know, you're supposed to follow the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Like everyone says you're supposed to like make yourself like him and his companions and, and, and make yourself a better Muslim. Like that's what we're supposed to do. But I was like, okay, what's something that I can do and I can actually just try to do something applicable do something that's like legitimately going to change the way i think change the way i act and really influence me on a personal level so i was like you know what i'm gonna start reading the 40 hadith i'm gonna start there mm. and every time i read one i'm gonna legitimately think of ways that this is applicable to me and what i can do because i read this hadith you know so i mm -hmm. i reset that intention and i was like you know what I'm gonna do this for the world. I'm gonna just put on. I'm gonna turn on a camera. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I'm gonna turn on a camera, and I'm gonna just. I'm gonna just share what I'm reading to folks. And the response was wild. wild no, it was wild. wild. Was wild. wild. Was so wild. And the thing is, is that you had great understanding of what the hadith was trying to say. So, and speaking of spiritual journey, okay, yes. tell me about your spiritual journey. Were you always religious? Were you always practicing? Were you always, you know? like that or is it something that like grew or is it something that you're on now like what is your spiritual development been like all of the above okay mm -hmm. so alhamdulillah i was raised in a family where islam was a foothold it was a strong core part of our family we prayed together we fasted together like it was important to us like i saw hoya and abu both just be in in the living room on their own you know in separate corners reading the quran mm -hmm. or hoya's in like a muhadir class like she's she's actively trying to like learn that was something that was so vital to both of their lives even separately you know and it wasn't necessarily something that they always did together uh, but it was something that the family kind of we were kind of just raised on this idea that yes islam is important and it should be a part of your life but it wasn't necessarily even you know it was kind of like i'm saying like a, a little kind of unspoken it was never halima like this is what islam is supposed to mean to you it was this is this is what you're supposed to take from reading this passage, you know, reading this verse of the Quran, reading this, like, this is what it's supposed to mean to you. And I think that piece was missing for me. Um, so I went to the Saturday school and Sunday school and I did Duxi, had a Quran teacher, Baba. His Abba was the one who taught us how to like read and write the Quran. He taught us the Hingadis and the, my first like bunch of surahs I memorized because dad was my teacher. Um, but then, you know, obviously then you, you get a little bit older and you have a different Quran teacher and you're growing mm -hmm. up and, and it's, it almost became... Uh, movement based you know just just doing the actions without stopping to really think and process and internalize and make it mean something to yourself so um, I think I was always religious quote-unquote because I had this really strong alhamdulillah like upbringing from my family but I wasn't necessarily the religious I would say that I feel now because I was lacking this like really important spiritual connection to the deen and what it meant and what I was supposed to feel you know what what my heart was supposed to be experiencing uh, when I was practicing or when I was reading. Um, so, yes, fast forward, I don't know, high school, I'm I'm still doing the, like, in the motions, like, yes, this is what it means to be a Muslim, I'm wearing my hijab, things are going well. Um, but, of course, I have all these other, like, mental health issues still going mm -hmm. on. So it was, it's this really long journey, I think, um, that kind of gets interwoven with all the other stories of my life. And, you know, alhamdulillah, once I got to, I think, college your form you're like really your strong formative years like when you're in university um mm -hmm. is when i started to you know i was in the muslim students association and i became president of the muslim student association and i started this uh, this weekly 
profit series at my mm. MSA. And so every week we had, uh, we had our meetings on Wednesday, at, on Wednesday at 12 p.m., I specifically remember. Um, and every week I would pick a different profit and we would watch mm. a video on the story about that profit and we would talk about it and we'd have a discussion and we had guided questions and we'd talk through them and we'd be like, okay, so like, what did we learn? What was like, you know, the most challenging part of their story or what was the most inspiring part of their story? Um, and that period of my life was, was really nice because it was something that was like, again, like this idea of making it applicable. I think that was missing previously mm. the part where it was like, okay, yep. this is what you're supposed to feel. This is what you're supposed mm-hmm. to be interpreting. This is what, you know, this um, how it applies to your life. This is how it applies to your life. Right. Yeah. And then what's wild subhanAllah at the end of that semester um there was a non-muslim girl who was who was hanging with us uh because she had something going on and she was like you know i I heard about the msa and i want to come join i want to just listen in on your meetings i'm just gonna sit in the back you know i'm not gonna bother anybody and i'm like no no yeah absolutely come through we have pizza like you know we (laughs) love pizza (laughs) you are good right um and so and she slowly started participating more and more and subhanAllah she she reverted to islam alhamdulillah by the end of that semester um and that was that was a, a wild oh, wow. wild uh, very humbling experience to witness her, that transformation in her and i think that that really strengthened for me um the connection that i wanted to feel and like almost like the reawakening that she got to experience for the first mm. time you know you, so you feel like you had your own reawakening yes at the same time that she was uh, having this whole yeah. like spiritual revelation yeah I feel like I feel like I had a similar experience too. I feel like I had a reawakening on my own, but then when I came and started to learn, it was like I was being awoken. Like people helped me. Like seeing somebody else awoken made me mm-hmm. kind of like whoa. Like I just it was it was it was it was very mind blowing to see hidayah like guidance happen like yeah. for people yes. everywhere. You know, I think the this podcast in general is exploring how hidayah comes in different forms. Yeah. You know? And how it introduces it to people's lives and how we've understood it. You know what I'm saying? Um so um so it's something like you cuz you're you're not only just learning, but you also love sharing. Yes. Right? Yeah. And um and and that's different, right? Cuz people can learn and seek knowledge and, and and they call it a day, but you like to you love to share what you've learned. Yes, and you do it so. And I don't mean to break your back, but you do it so beautifully. Oh, thank you. Right <laughs> about how you <laughs> how you share it. Right. Um. Do you see yourself as like like I kind of see you like a daddy. You know. Oh no. And, oh, I, and I know. And I know we don't. And I know it's a very awkward term to say because when yes. we think of daddies, we think of people who are extremely knowledgeable that went and did school. But we're all, in my humble opinion, we're all callers. Every yeah. single one of us are callers. Yeah. And some of us are more gifted than the others. Like, literally, there are some more gifted than others. But essentially, we're all callers to our faith. Whether mm. we be callers to our group of friends, our own families, mm-hmm. our neighborhood, our communities, um, or, in your case, TikTok. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you being a caller on TikTok. Because the way that you you explain these concepts are so inviting. Okay, like there you can like sometimes you'll like we'll we'll learn like I have I have done so many different classes, okay? Yeah. And from different people and different ways of teaching. Some things fly over people's heads. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like depending on the teaching style, um, if it's just like running through a hadith and it's not allowing people to comprehend or have comprehensive conversations about what we just read, then it can just fly over people's heads. But yours is such ingest ingestible content. 
Like oh, I was enamored whoa, by that. You're gassing like, me. It's I'm so si- no, I'm so sorry to gas you, but if, for those who don't know Halima, if you're listening, you don't know who Halima is. Go to her TikTok. Oh I'm pretty gosh. sure it's Jedediah Limbs, right? Jedi. Okay. Jedi. Okay, yeah. Let me do a little quick explanation. Yes, okay, the do. Jedi comes from Star Wars because okay, I'm yeah. a Star Wars fanatic. <laughs> okay, I'm a Jedi. Uh, uh, not Star Wars. And then lives. No. Guess Listen, what? I went to a Star Wars film and I fell asleep for two hours. That's my friend. I was so shocked. I said, what is this film? You have officially lost points in my brain. I know, I know. I'm so oh sorry. I had to tell the truth. I had to tell the truth. I just, I'm more of a Buffy the Vampire during that era. Like, How could you compare that to Star Wars? Do you remember the Space Channel? How you could you compare a, that to Star Wars? The, you, know why, really, you know why? I'm baffled. <laughs> you know, I'm baffled. Let me, let me redeem myself. The reason why I say that is because on the Space Channel, there was a channel called the Space Channel. Okay. It had Star Wars and Buffy and the Vampire used to come on there. <laughs> so man didn't watch Star Wars. I watched <laughs> because it was all sci-fi. You know, you know what? what? So you know what? I, I'm not gonna hold you. It's okay. Star I, Wars not for everybody. I'm sorry. I was just Team Buffy. Like that's the era. I that's the lane I went. But I respect it. Okay. Will I be going to see more Star Wars? Hell no. I never want to fall asleep in the theater <laughs> in my life. That's the day I said I've definitely lost the plot. No, those um, are the days I will not only not fall asleep. I will hold myself <laughs> from going to the restroom. I will hold it for the entire three hours of the film that's so crazy. that I don't have to leave the room. That's crazy. That's actually crazy. But um. Do you have, because um, I know you're, 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 you're listening, or you're reading 40 Hadith. Is there a Hadith right now that you can't stop thinking about that you learned or read recently? Oof. Um, what, what can I not stop thinking about? Um, the grief one, because no one will let me forget. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've gotten bare comments and do messages you, about, this, want, about this video. Do you want to, like, I don't want you to, because I know you, you had said a whole thing, but do you remember what the Hadith was that you could say now? Yes. Um... So on TikTok, I decided to share the hadith, but share it in a way that was really meaningful and you were able to draw a lot of conclusions and a lot of, you know, implications on a personal level. Um, And this was really important to me because I had reset my intentions to really, really understand the hadith better and really make it applicable to myself. So what I do is essentially that I just I I share and I and I have a conversation about what I take from it without, you know, telling you what you should be taking from it. Um, and I and I kind of leave that to to whoever's listening that inshallah, you know, with the Allah, it has it has some impact. It moves the needle, maybe even like half a centimeter forward in their life that they're able to make some sort of change. or It means something in some way to somebody. Um, so that's that's my intention of sharing it, honestly, to bring comfort to, to whoever is listening. Uh, so the most recent one that I shared um, is a hadith that was, you know, it's it's uh, authentic, Sahih Bukhari, sixty four twenty four. It's book eighty one, hadith number thirteen, um, and it was narrated by Abu Huraira, uh, who said that Allah's messenger, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, said, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "I have nothing to give but paradise, as a reward to my believer, who, if I cause his dear friend or relative to die, remains patient and hopes for Allah's reward." So this hadith is essentially saying that grief process that you are going through after losing a loved one, after your best friend or relative passes away, that grief that you are feeling, if you are able to remain patient and hope for reward for remaining patient and and keep your calm almost such that it doesn't like, I guess... uh, deter you from your life's plan and life's path, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will literally reward you with paradise for remaining patient through the death of a loved one. Um, and the response 
was something unimaginable. Like, I have comments like almost like essays, like explaining that they had been going through this massive, massive grief process of someone commented that they lost their their husband and their best friend within 30 days of each other. And they were experiencing the an unexplainable amount of grief. But because they heard this hadith, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises paradise for those who are patient, she for half a second started to feel comfort. She for half a second, you know, started to feel like, okay, maybe this isn't the end. Maybe, you know, there is a way for me to come back from this and a way for me to heal from this. Um, and that was just one story. When I say there are like thousands of these stories that have made my heart melt and ache in ways that they have never felt before, um, it's, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. You know, um, the way that I like, cause I was reading the comment section too, cause there was numerous people sharing testimonies of like, testimonies, uh, yes. of their, of how, what, what they were grieving too. And I feel like, and it, it takes me back to the conversation we just had about your, your dad yeah. and his relationship with Allah and that he, no matter what he might be going through, that he privately can seek, um, comfort from Allah cause he knows him. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and and because he knows him, he knows what he, you know, like he knows what what is being said and what's truthful. And the fact that just that one hadith mm-hmm. can can kind of hug us like a warm hug. Yeah. You know, and remind us it's OK. You're going to see yes. a lot in this life. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things. It reminds me even to my mom. You say it to me all the time. If I failed an exam or something yeah. really like uh, tough happened, she always say to me, Hoya. Don't let this one break you. You know, oh, that's Even so though, sweet. I, it's, that's so first, sweet. I, when I heard it at the time, I thought it was the most morbid thing I ever heard. She's like, you're still basically telling me there's more of this stuff. She said, so you're going to struggle for the rest of your life, actually. She, but she was just telling me, listen, there's so many things uh, like hardship coming your way yeah, yeah. that is ordained for you to experience. Yeah. Don't let this one take you down. Yeah. You know, like, don't let, like, do whatever you need to do to get back to what you need to get back to. If that yeah. means reading Quran, if that means reading a hadith, do what you need to do to keep trekking. Because this life is just about mm-hmm. the hardships that are coming away and how we respond. Yeah. Right. But the crazy part is that Allah doesn't leave us just with us to experience hardship, except that he left us with something to help us deal. Mm. And it's crazy to me because it's like, imagine Allah has his entire book. You know, and everything that he needs you to know there mm-hmm. for you and you don't know. And then you but you're still you're still experiencing hardship. How? Like, you know, like, yeah. so how do you how where do you go? Yeah. Like, yo, where do you go for peace? Yeah. Where do you go for aid then? Like, like, like it reminds me of this time. I, I had drama class two years ago and it was a class I didn't want to take. Okay, I did not want to take, imagine me. Uh, <laughs> I was Jibabi. about to say, Adler, you was in drama class? I was, I was in drama class in high school, okay? And okay. I loved it because it helped me build my confidence and personality. I mentioned it in episode one. But grown girl Adar, okay, wearing a jilbab really was it. I really was like, I don't want to do drama class. I don't want to act out something that's going to be weird for me, you know? But I had to take it because if I wanted to graduate, I had to take it. So I remember I took it in the summer and I took it during Ramadan. Imagine I was fasting and then I had to act. Okay, Oof. and so it was just, and I don't know about everyone else, but fasting makes me extremely emotional. Okay, because wow, yeah. I feel like my heart is on my chest, like it's on my mm. shoulders when I'm fasting. Like you could say anything to me, I'm gonna start crying. I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fasting makes me bare. Like and Subhanallah, and I understand the beauty of fasting. Um, I, I really understood it in that trauma class because <laughs> there was an exercise the teacher made us do. She made us sit in a circle, 
And um, I'll never forget this. We're sitting in a circle, and I was the last person at the circle beside her. But she started from the left. I was on her right. And she wanted to do an exercise where she made everyone share a, a painful experience, a painful truth about their lives. And I'm looking at her like, painful truth? Like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna share? Like, even though obviously we, we experience different difficulties, but I was like, which one am I comfortable with sharing? That's what I was thinking about. Like, which one am I comfortable sharing? But I couldn't name it, you know, like, really name it. But I was the last one, so I was like, okay, I'll figure something out when they get to me. Let me tell you, Hanima, when I tell you these people shared, they shared. Okay. Wow. And I'll, and I'll tell you something. There were like, it was like, okay, I don't know if anybody else does this, but anytime I walk into a room, I look at everyone and I try to kind of like size them up, not in a way between me and them, but like, oh, what do you think he's like? Maybe he's a, uh, you know, like I try to come up with who they are. I try to figure out like, okay, so I can be comfortable, right? Um, and so in my head, I had kind of like a data for everybody, okay? <laughs> like a weirdo. <laughs> I had a data for all of them, okay? Thinking I knew who they were, you know, or an idea of who they were. And when what they shared blew me out of my mind. I remember one girl, she's a brunette. She's really petite. <laughs> she's like five, six, okay? And she was on the first day of class was the teachers like, oh, I'll let the whole class know. Like the teachers, like she was a student, like a leader, she like and she designated herself to be a student leader. So I begged her as the ambitious girl. You know, the ambitious girl that like maybe has too much control issues, but you know, she's trying her best and like wants to be really liked by everybody. This is me trying to come up with a data for this girl, okay? Mm-hmm. And she and she seemed like she had a perfect life, right? She dressed really well, she had expensive shoes, you know? Really like, you know, well proper. When she opened her mouth, she shared that she was currently living in a mental health facility. Wow. Because she tried to kill herself three months ago. Wow. And so she comes from that facility to this drama class and back. And if she's not back home on time into her, like, the facility, she the cops would come. Wow. Um, and I literally, my jaw dropped. Okay, oh and this gosh. is like, I was like, what? Like, I, you could not see that on her. And right. And I was shocked that she shared that. Okay, I was shocked that she shared that, but she shared it. She said, you know, I... And I am going through a lot. My parents divorced and they used me as a pawn. And that affected my mental health. And there came a time where I had enough and I wanted to end my life. And that is the most painful thing that I'm going through. And I literally looked at her in in complete shock because I did not, I could not see that. Right. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And I kept saying under my breath, subhanAllah. The next girl. Okay. And I won't say her name, but she had a name. Um, And she said that she was taking care of her schizophrenic father. Wow. And that her older siblings had moved down, moved away, and it's just her and her dad. And she says that some days it's really tough. And it, it's really hard for her to get out of bed, and there's nobody else he has he can rely on. And so she doesn't get to live her life like people her own age mm. because she has to take care of her father by herself. Mm. And I, yup, I'm confused, okay? And this girl, I, I could not. And then there was another tall young man that looked like he lived maybe in the suburbs of Canada, okay? With fire red hair, with glasses, you know? And he says, um, I came out of a difficult relationship with a girl that I really loved who used to um, abuse me. And oh and then he he paused and he choked up and he said, she like used to physically hit me and I used to take it. Um, and then she would threaten, if I had broken up with her, that she would end her life. 
And so I did, and I stayed in that relationship for years. Mm. And I'm just confused. Okay, by the way, at this point, I'm confused. Right. By the time they <laughs> got to me, Halima, I was crying. Oh, my god. Sobbing, gosh. like sobbing uncontrollably. And I looked at the teacher. I said, I, I'm sorry, I, I have to go. Like, right. I can't I can't do this. I'm fasting. And um, I don't know. And I, I literally said, I don't know how any of you all are have overcome these things. These things sound so unimaginable. Wow. And I'm so sorry. Like, I just kept saying, I'm so sorry yeah. that that happened to all of you. And I just literally walked up. Okay. And walked up. Like, I had to, I could, was so embarrassed of how much no. I was crying. It looked like, if you saw me, oh, my God, my eyes. But I, the teacher was shocked at my reaction. No, right? you're and an I, empath. I, I you were feeling uh, it deep. No, I, and I was fasting. Like, I was <laughs> fasting. fasting. <laughs> like, I, could, I felt every fiber of my body. You wow. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I couldn't yeah, ignore yeah. it. I was like, I cannot believe these people. And I just remember going and sitting near a Starbucks that was outside the, 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 the drum room. And I kept thinking, how do these people go through without knowing Allah yeah how yeah, how do they how are they surviving how are they how are they like it, uh, knowing it's okay like how what is comforting them mm. you know and I said even that I know Allah takes care of them right you know and, and it literally made me cry even I'm crying now because yeah. I remember that I remember thinking subhanAllah you the, like all of these people I had this idea about them and they looked so okay on the outside but they're not you know, they're not okay and they're going through extreme amounts of pain. And um, I just, I was, <laughs> I was like so shocked. And I remember that after that, I started to look at people differently. Wallahi, mm. like I could, I, I never come with the assumption that everyone's okay. I always assume something, everyone's battling something that they don't, that nobody, like we don't know about. And that's how we should all like assume. Like that's why we should all be very sensitive of what we say to people. Yeah, and how we treat them because you don't know, you really you don't know. No like you have no clue. Like a girl trekking from here to a mental health facility, you know, you know how cold those places are. Yeah, you know how lonely it is, and then to come and like, like pretend you're okay. You know, it's just it's just not easy. It's not easy, and I I like I was so touched by that. Truly, after that, and I was like, everyone is experiencing something. Yeah. all the time and like that's why it's so important as muslims i like there is there is so much beauty and comfort there for all of us to to know yeah. and it sucks that many of us um you know miss out you know yeah. because there's so much knowledge we have no idea and yeah. that you would literally baffle of like wow i didn't know that mm -hmm. why do i feel so much peace like why do I now I have a different outlook all of these incredible hadiths especially the 40 hadiths I've, I've read through them and they literally change your brain like, literally you, how change you your brain it changes everything how you view this dunya how you see your parents how you see yourself it, mm -hmm. it it's like life changing hadiths that, that perfect your character mm -hmm. that make that allow you to self soothe it teaches you even how to self soothe how do you how do you comfort yourself when you go through trials? Right. What do you need to know right now that's truthful? And the, and the hadith that you shared is that what? That no matter what you go through, if you are patient, what what will Allah give you in exchange? Paradise. Paradise. It, meaning there, there there's no small amount of pain that does not go accounted for. Right. You are not going to just feel something 
and then and and no one's gonna care Allah always cares yeah he counts all of it all of it he counts all everything that you feel every pain every cry every tear he knows about it. he accounts for it and it's just like you know like and then wh- what are we doing in return like you know mm-hmm. you know to uh, I just could say so much but uh I don't know. I just, I there's just, I like, I honestly look at people all the time. I'm like, I just, you need to know this. Like, it was like, you yeah. have to know this. Yeah. It's gonna give you peace. Like, just, yeah. I know I sound crazy. No, no, but like, this. take this one thing. <laughs> no, please, just take. And the thing is, I and I say it from a place of jet. Like, I, yeah. I used, I used to not know a lot at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I had this venom. Like, I, it's like someone who just found out. Like, oh my god, like mm-hmm. this is the most firest candy ever taken. You have to try it. Are you crazy? This is going to yeah. change your life. And that's no, exactly- for real. And it's yeah. like even, even not even strangers, like even like you want to tell everyone you know, like yeah. your friends, your sisters, your, you know, like you, like I have felt like this like intense like need to like tell people like, did you know? Like yeah. there is a, like this easy path that will make you feel better and you're like making strides for your akhira. Like it, there, there's a hadith that says, you know, when you're in groups of people, and you're with your group you're with a group of friends and you mention Allah's name and you are remembering him and exalting him and calling upon him the angels are writing this down and he they, he like he enjoys when we remember him in groups and when someone say someone is who's not even associated with us sits down who's who, say this is a sinful person sits down while we are mentioning Allah's name and remembering him and exalting him that person too gets forgiven. That person too gets access to par- paradise. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful. And I say this all the time. The way that I phrase it is that he's rooting for us and that he yep. loves us. And yep. he is literally like watching us and hoping for us to make it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And rooting for us till the end. That's Always. the way that I choose to see it. And, and and that's exactly how I choose to see it as well. You know, like that. Like, how could you not? Right. Yo, you could commit atrocities, but still the forgiveness of the, the forgiveness of is still open. The doors of mercy are still open. Still open. What? Like, they stay open. They stay open until the day you die. Like right. that's crazy. And it, and as for him, it's like it, he wants you so badly, so badly for you to win. Mm-hmm. You know that he makes it so easy. You know, everywhere. Even you know, what it reminds me of um, when uh, the reward system. When you read, when you read Quran and you struggle, you get two rewards for the person that struggles. You know, and I remember when right. I learned that when I was memorizing Quran, I was shocked. I was like, so you're telling me, as long as I'm struggling re- re- reading these verses, right, Allah I'm adds more. I, I'm getting more <laughs> edited than the half it over here. <laughs> like to me, that blue eyes. You the half it right here with the tajweed that sounds like. It should be recited in the haram. I'm getting more engine reading than I read it. The, I remember talking to Allah said, why do I want to perfect it then? I should just do it. Stop, stop. And they said, stop, Allah. That's not, that's stop, not the goal. Allah. But I just was so shocked and baffled by just Allah's no, generosity. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's if that's not encouragement, it's Allah telling you he encourages right. you. Like, don't be, it's almost like he's saying, don't be like sad that you're at this place, mm-hmm. like that you're struggling this hard. This is the beautiful part. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and he knows us so well. He knows that we, 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 we turn away from the first sight of struggle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so instead of <laughs> he like... He knows who we are. <laughs> he knows exactly who we are. So instead of like, he knows how our brains work. So he's like, okay, let me, let me, add, the, let me add the reward. Let me add more reward right. for the person right. that struggles. Let that be an encouragement that like, you are just as valuable at this stage at, at to, um, and at the next stage when you're doing so well. 
right. you're reading so incredible and at, at, a, at a really incredible level. So it's just like Allah loves us even at struggle and at, at, at our best. He loves us at all states. Yep. And it's just beautiful to know that. And I just wish people just would give them a chance to receive Allah's mercy and love. And I, they, they would just allow it, yeah. you know, and um, it's time to do away with the fear-based Right. Um, you know, like the fear, like the fear base that we kind of were raised upon. You know, we don't know much about Allah, but we're scared of him. Like that's right. the one thing we know. Oh, one thing is we're afraid of him. And and there's and there's some wisdom behind that. But there, Allah calls himself the especially merciful. The he most talks about, merciful, yeah. the most compassionate, the most forgiving. Mm. Like there is none more forgiving or or accepting or or merciful than he like and and that's the part that like gets almost kind of ignored it's 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 always like you said this fear-based way of of teaching that oh okay fear hell and fear fear what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish you with but okay but uh, you forgot to mention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also really merciful and the second I ask for forgiveness he's gonna grant it to me like mm -hmm. wh where was that part of your speech like why didn't anyone tell me that second half of the of the story you know mm -hmm. what I mean and and even and I still and it's it's a way that really warps a lot of people's thinking like they they and that's how they practice Islam so I'm not gonna knock it in any way but I hear all the time even on on my platform on TikTok like sometimes I get comments where it's like okay well why aren't you sharing the more you know critical hadiths why aren't you mm. sharing the hadiths that are more you know that that tell people what to be wary of that tell people you know what to be scared of and 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 you know the the fear side of it mm -hmm. and I'm like mm -hmm. well I, I chose to to make this a soft place I chose to make this a compassionate place I chose to make this space one where people felt home and welcome and safe and felt like they they wanted to know more and they and they felt encouraged to continue learning like I didn't say this was the entire story but I chose to make this side of it you know as 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 nice and as comforting as possible mm -hmm. and I think it's important like uh, for those spaces to exist because I think we all had the other space so dominant you know yeah. that it crippled us it like, crippled you know, us. It crippled us. It's anxiety. We're we almost to the degree where we were like, okay, what's the point? We're all <laughs> we're all probably gonna end up there because I'm not getting it right. And it's just right. like, what? You should you never, never give say up. that. Oh never in your life do you think you're this religion? And I always say this: this religion is for the the person. It's for it's, this religion is about redemption. Literally, if it's, if it's it about anything else. It is for the imperfect. It is for the struggling. It is for yeah. the one who feels weak and scared. It is. Mm -hmm. It is for those who literally are struggling. Mm -hmm. I say that all the time, bro. I always say this is not the religion for the perfect. It's, it's not. really not. It's not. It's not. This not. And not over here. Not over here. <laughs> you know. We, not in we, these ends. These are. This place is for the people that like. You know, are that like does that need it? You know, and and no matter where they're, nobody is too far. Mm-hmm. Nobody's too far. None. Nobody is too far. SubhanAllah. Nobody's too far. Nobody's too far. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Last final message. Last final for message. The, for the ummah. For the, <laughs> not for the, for the whole ummah. Uh. No, the whole ummah. Just about, just about 80,000. Just about 80,000. This is the it's, it's a neighborhood. Um. Wallahi, you are worthy. I would tell everyone that you're worthy. Um, you're worthy of being loved. You're worthy of being forgiven. You're worthy of overcoming what you're going through. You're worthy of looking yourself in the mirror and feeling comfortable with you, who you are. And all the things that you're worthy of, 
the greatest who could give it to you is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like what love more would you want than that from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What forgiveness more would you want than that from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And, and I pray that you're granted it. I pray that you're granted Jonathan Firdos. Um, I, I pray that you find, you know, peace within yourself. I pray that you find the comfort. I pray that you build a community for yourself and you feel, you feel loved. You know, I want you to feel loved on this dunya and in the akhirah. Um, but yeah, you're you're worthy. You're always going to be worthy. And there's always room for redemption. Always. Always. Do you hear that, listeners? There's always room for redemption. Um, but thank you so much, Hanima. <laughs> you're actually <laughs> the best. And I'm so honored that you came on this podcast. And Stop, shout out I love to, you guys. Thank you no, so much for having me. No, no. Sh- thank you to the listeners for letting me know. You get me. The ones right. who let me for know linking, that for allowing Allah, us yeah. to like connect like this. Please. Yeah, this, uh, yeah. this, this, I got podcast a new is, this podcast is for them. This is theirs. This is this, this place is theirs. <laughs> they the run the, they run this operation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Jazakallah khair for um bringing us together cuz I I feel so comforted by your story and your your perspective. And I I came in here a little bit like tired and I feel energetic now like like feel yeah. like I can go conquer the world like Batman or something. Um so thank you for that. Thank you so much for speaking life into me and to all of us. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم لهما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤذوا حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم صدق الله this episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios shout out to Muna Sheikh Umar for producing this fantastic episode you always deliver um, shout out to Sima for the beautiful cover art. Allahumma badik. Again, you you always hidden. No, that's not, a, you know, you know how I feel about you, Sima. <laughs> and I love to give a shout out to my Patreon members that literally donate to us every month without waiver. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase your mizan, like make this an increase. An increasing good deed, one that continues to flow, um, because we couldn't do this without y'all. You already know. I also want to give an announcement before I exit out of here. Muna and I and a few of us TDS members are going to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota on November 22nd to November 30th. We're actually there um, for a youth conference. Um, led by Abu Bakr Siddiq Masjid. If you haven't gotten your tickets, what you doing? Since I thought we were friends. I thought we were supposed to link up. You know what I'm saying? And if you're really mad about not having an episode for three weeks, you can show up. Show up. You know? Don't check me. I'm so sorry. I don't actually like violence. Uh, <laughs> uh, none of that. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have a pleasant time. <laughs> so if you're um, interested in coming to the conference, the tickets are being sold at the masjid. Go get your ticket. Um, can't wait to meet all of y'all, especially Red Minnesota. I am so excited to meet all of y'all. I'm just, uh, and just hug y'all. I'm just so excited. You have no idea. But anyways, let me stop talking. And I will see you guys 
next week in your ear, in your speaker, telling a good story.